Hello and welcome to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with. What we listen to and hear throughout the day can shape how we feel. If we feed and nourish our soul with wholesome conversations from everyday people, filled with positivity and stories that people can relate to, you may feel less alone and even inspired. We're all working through stuff and sometimes you need to hear conversations that have failures, successes and everyday struggles. Wellbeing with Manny, in conversation with, is listening to others talk about how they have journeyed through life so far, including some top tips for you to take away. Hello everyone and welcome back to Wellbeing with Manny. So today, I think we've got a really, really special conversation in store. So today we welcome to the channel my gorgeous cousin-in-law, uh, Catherine Moon. Um, I'm very lucky that she's part of our family. Um, so Catherine is a health and mindset coach. So there's going to be some amazing take-homes today, I'm sure. So welcome, Catherine. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Manny. Thank you very much for inviting me to be part of your, um, yeah, your wellness venture Amazing. Thank you for being here. Um, so just to introduce yourself, what would, you know, obviously I've said you're a health and mindset coach. What is it that you do? Yeah, so um, really I've kind of not tried to special, you know, specialize or niche too much, but to put it simply, I, I really am interested in supporting women. <laughs> um, women really who <gasps> What shirt are... to wear today? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it just is something that's really important to me um we are unique as females in terms of everything you know our biology we tend to think more about things or overthink things more so I really was interested in supporting women who um, might be struggling with health challenges with mindset challenges confidence that you know, they may be in a part of their lives where they're transitioning career transitioning relationships and just find themselves stuck really and you know I see my my role really very much as a both a health coach and what you call a life coach um is to support them in all areas really from a holistic approach mm. and it, it's really I've always find this really interesting because in in our kind of uh, in a lot of mental health talk um it seems as if, you know, it's always women talk so much more and men don't talk that much, which means that, you know, the, the issues that men t- tend to have with their mental health comes from the fact that they don't talk. But as women, we do talk. But I feel as if we have so many transition periods in our life, which is why I love the fact that you use the word transition. Mm. We just it feels like there's perhaps a little bit more for us to navigate. And even though we talk so much we maybe just figure out a bit less and and we need help with that. Do you know what I mean? I do, absolutely. And I think the way that we live our lives nowadays, we're so, you know, we're we're very much detached from each other in comparison to the way we evolved Mm. um, as human beings. And and women traditionally would have been together. And you look at traditional cultures, women do congregate together daily. They work together. They are together. So they learn from each other. They're there and they see those transitions. So the transition from being a girl coming into womanhood to becoming a mother, to being a wife or not being a wife, you know, having that career and then navigating what we all now are hearing so much more about in terms of the perimenopause and the menopause and the very real 
effect that that has for us on a um on a physiological level on a, a, a mental health level and you know we don't we just don't have that as much we don't have as many what i'd call touch points with each other to mm. be able to get into the real the deep stuff mm. that matters yeah absolutely yeah that's so well put um we'll probably pick up on some of those points um especially the transition in women's lives and and the kind of seismic shifts that that really it was interesting um holly willoughby's got a new book out and she said that she felt that this was the point at which she had to write down something because that kind of script of life of the uh kind of normality whatever that means of growing up go, you know studying getting married having children having that career and then what and it's the and then what that she was kind of like what happens now? What what am I to do with my life? And and I kind of really love the, the the way that she put that. And for some people who then don't journey through that path, who decide that they're not going to get married, that they they don't want children for a million reasons, which is absolutely fine. What happens to them in in the society that says you should, you should, you should? You know, I thought that was such a, a such yeah. a good point. We are living in we are living in very much a patriarchal society, which is now moving into. I feel a shift where there's going to be more of a balance between that, um, you know, the very masculine way that has evolved of doing things to a more, you know, a more feminine way that balanced, more feminine um, way of doing things as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to go back, um, it'd be lovely to hear um, your story, if, if that's OK to ask about how it is you came to feel as if um, a, a kind of big shift in in the way that you were living or maybe your mindset or or how you were looking after yourself how that came about yeah so for me in terms of my journey with my health and my mindset then I think the real beginnings with my health started for me um after having my first child but you could say even before then in in terms of what I saw in my parents you know my mum my was a nurse my dad was a GP but looking at them you know they were they weren't healthy you know they had underlying health conditions that their lifestyle wasn't healthy they were working hard there wasn't very much in terms of you know um, getting out and looking after their, their bodies um you know and sadly as a result you know my mum suffered from type 2 diabetes and she she died at an early age um, and then, you know, I think at that point, there was a shift in my mind to say, you know, right, that's not going to be for me. I'm going to do something differently. But really, that didn't evolve until I became a mother. And I saw the very, I experienced it really on a personal level in terms of the impact of um, my diet and also the way I was going around talking to myself on a conscious and subconscious level. And you know, after having my eldest, who's 10 now, nearly 11, I can't believe it, then that was a real struggle. That was a difficult time for me. Mm. I, um, yeah, I, I, I had to um, get back to a certain weight to get back to work. So I used to be in the Royal Air Force. I had to pass the, the fitness test when I went back to work. So there was that pressure of being physically fit 
fitting back into my uniform that was self-induced I could have just got a bigger uniform but you know there were those there were those pressures there mm. um and I was really starting to notice I mean just having just being new to being parent you know to, uh, being a parent I was exhausted mm. you know the thought that five months that I was going to go back to work a month later I just did not know how I was going to manage mm -hmm. she wasn't sleeping I was exhausted on my feet you know I just I, I just literally remember crying I was just like I have no idea how I'm gonna make that work yeah I mean I did we did we made it work between my husband and I we made it work and we, we it, ha it happened but <clears throat> flash forwards two and a half years after that and I had my second child and um completely different experience in terms of pregnancy and um different birthing experience which we won't go into birthing experiences um here and um yeah I felt much more positive but then we made a big decision and the decision was that I wasn't going to go back to work I was going to retire from the RAF to um so we could be together as a family and it, that at that point really was the big big switch for me mm -hmm. because at that point my identity shifted massively mm -hmm. Now I was a full-time mum. Mm. I didn't have a uniform. I didn't have a position. I didn't have a rank. But of course, none of that was really me anyway. That was yeah. just a thing I was doing. Yeah. But that's what I'd become attached to. And that's what I'd become used to. And that had become part of my identity. And that's when I started to struggle. That's when I really started yeah. to struggle with my mental health. And um, yeah, just I remember one night sitting there at the table chatting to my husband and I said you know I hate my life right now I hate my life right now and it wasn't that I didn't have you know I had everything that you could yeah. think of that would make life amazing I'd had a great a, a great job I'd done really well I'd been promoted and um, I had two gorgeous children happy and healthy an amazing husband who I was really lucky was going to be able to support all of us so I could actually stay at home and concentrate on being a mum and experiencing motherhood and having an amazing experience apparently with it. Yeah. But, I, but I found myself like, you know, just focusing on all of those, what I, I don't know, I'd come to focus on the struggles instead yeah. of seeing the beauty and the amazingness that was in my life. I was just focusing on all the rubbish, mm -hmm. all, and I'm gonna say it, I hope this is okay, yeah. all the shit, all, all the okay. shit. That's what it was. I, look how hard this is I'm crap at that I can't do that my children don't listen to me I can't get myself out of bed in the morning I'm knackered uh etc etc I was giving myself a super hard time mm. super hard time and it, it it resonates so much I mean obviously that there'll be lots of people listening who who don't have children but they will be able to relate in some kind of way in their lives where they felt lost they felt a sense of a lack of identity or just not being able to focus on anything that was positive because negative chatter takes over so much and what we feed our brain it 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 believes and, and it becomes and and I, and I I it resonates with me I'm obviously a mum of two girls as well and and I had a really really similar experience I did go back to work um but it's only taken me till now to pull back from some of that work to be able to to find you know the good in in work like this for example which just 
it, it, it took me such a while to get here. And so it really, it totally and utterly resonates. So in, in particular, um, how did you begin? So, you know, obviously you, you feel on the other side, we're all work in progress, of course, not none of us are, are, are done and ready, but what's, how did you manage to find the strength and, and any kind of positivity and motivation to kind of start that journey of, I can't live like this anymore. You know, you, you said those words to, 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 to Steve, we'll name check Steve because he's a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how did you, when you said those words, was, was that the bottom? I can't live like that. That was the bottom. That was the very bottom. It wasn't going to get any worse than that. I knew I wanted my life back. I knew yeah. that my girls deserved to have a mother. I mean, God damn it, I lost my mum at a young age. And yeah. I, you know, I wasn't going to let that happen to my kids on whatever level, you know, yeah. even if it was absent in, absent in spirit and mind and being the mum I want to be or in the physical sense. So, yeah, I was, I think there's always been that determined, stubborn streak in me. So I reached out for help at that point and I was really fortunate that I knew the, the, the doctor, the lady on our unit who was um, the GP and I went and spoke to her about it um, and she knew that I, you know, very much like to take a natural approach to stuff, but she was really encouraging in terms of actually, um, you know, going on some antidepressants. I went and I was fortunate enough to be able to access some um, support from mental health services, but I have to say, um, I was told by the consultant psychiatrist that I saw that, you know, you know, be careful about what you read on the internet. Um, don't stop taking medication. You'll need to be on it for X amount of time. And by the way, and he didn't say that word, but by the way, your depression, you're always going to be depressed and it's going to get worse as you get older. And that, you know, he may not have said those words, but at that point I was like, yeah, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, That's not and, for me. And obviously, I, I know this this story, and I just feel like it needs a bit more of a moment to unpack that. And medical, you know, and this is by no means uh, anything against the medical profession. We have the best NHS, you know, ever. We know that we have the best health system in the world. You know, we've seen that over the past eighteen months. What they have done for us, yeah. but for a medical professional to say this is it this is you for life mm. done that 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 can't sit right it doesn't sit right you know no, and it's it's so it's so to anyone else that could have been a really defining moment that could have been a belief yeah. that they yes. chose to take on about themselves and then lived out and, rather uh, than uh something that you choose to go no that is not going to be yeah. me because I know yeah. I get to do yeah so something instinctively inside of me said no that is not going to be for me that is not going to be the life that I choose. And I think I'd already had some experience at that point of meditating. Steve had introduced me to meditation. He was using it at the time. He was finding it really helpful. I was a bit slower to get on board, but, um, mm. but you know, it's something that I carry on doing to this day. I will meditate every day. Um, I, I, always, I already knew what I could do from a physical perspective in terms of my physical health, but I did. I needed to go. I knew I was going to go away and I was going to look at more. I was going to look at the way I was nourishing and feeding my body and the impact that I was having on my brain. I was going to look at what else I could do. Um, I was really fortunate to get access to some CBT therapy as well. And that really started to help me reframe and look at my thoughts and the things that I was thinking in, react in, in relation to um, situations that were occur occurring. So assumptions that I was making that yeah. were becoming thoughts that were of a negative nature. So um, 
for him, why did he come out with that? I don't know. I think he was towards the end of his career. He was not a picture of health himself. That's me being slightly judgy. So um, interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what more to say about that. I think that it's always good to have a healthy curiosity about mm. things and to question the information that you're presented with but also question it in relation to you what's right for you and at that moment it didn't feel right for me yeah. what he was saying mm. yeah absolutely and so you know that was the moment that you took hold of of you know your your mind and your life and you started to kind of read up and research and see what 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 worked for you and for, for people who are um, maybe a bit worried, skeptical about, you know, the, the medication route, about the therapy route, what, what's been, what, what, you know, from your experience, this isn't, isn't everyone's experience, but from your experience, how has that, how has that led to, you know, you being able to completely get on top of it and, and, and manage it, you know, no one is, no one is ever, you know, I, I, there's a there's a tiny part of what he said in the whole kind of you'll never be free of it and maybe for, for, for people who've have depression experience bouts of depression maybe it is just a part of them that will stay there but mm -hmm. it, it can absolutely be managed and I completely and utterly believe that um yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever going to be you know free and they'll never have it again no one's going to say that we can never dip again but how do you you know what, what's your take on that yeah, so it's quite interesting. I mean, I'm not, I'm, he, he said to me, I'd be on medication long term. I decided not to. Um, I, so I was on it for two years. Um, I think that was important for me because yeah. I wanted to be able to not be numbing my feelings, emotions, my thought processes. Uh, my take on it is, is quite interesting. I think from, from the way I look at it now is that as we've been growing up as kids of our generation, right? we were told some very um, clear messages by our parents, by our loved ones who are trying to support us from the best of intentions. We, we, we learn about emotions, what's good, what's bad, what's okay, what's not okay, whatever you wanna call it. So, you know, when we're crying, oh, stop crying, it's okay, what are you crying for? Um, you know, the suppression of those negative emotions, you know, we were taught to suppress negative undesirable emotions so like when my mum died you know I had this this message in my head of right we just need to we need to be seen to be able to cope we need to be doing this right I'm going to do yeah. this there was no allowing the, the space for the emotions you know I've got to be seen to be this picture of okayness <laughs> when actually we're human beings we're having a human experience and we've got a full range of beautiful, amazing emotions that we need to, we want to be connecting to because they tell us some powerful information about the situations that we're in, about how we're feeling and, and it helps us inform ourselves about what we want to do and the decisions we want to make. Yeah. It's our, it's our guidance system. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be connected and tapped in. So that's my take on it now is that, yeah, I can go through some pretty rubbish days um, especially when I'm going through tons of personal learning and growth and I'm, I'm doing new things for the first time and I'm putting myself out there and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> um, I'm, you know, am I going to get it wrong? Am I going to fluff up? You know, your, our brains are amazing. They're supposed to protect us from the big 
um, predators that might eat us out there. So they are doing a great job. It's just nowadays we see those risks differently and we interpret those threats differently. And so we still have that, that um, natural system that kicks in to try and keep us safe. And yeah. that's what part of the negative chatter is about. The negative chatter is there to keep us safe. Yeah. Don't do that. Someone might see you. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen it myself, you know, I've been out of um I've been out of working traditionally for the past eight years. And by that I mean I haven't been putting a suit on and going to work in the traditional yeah. sense. And all of a sudden, as I'm stepping more and more into doing something more fully, my mind's going, What are you doing? This this here's nice and comfortable. You don't need to do this. What are you doing that for? Yeah. And it might sound like I've got a bit of a split personality, but you know, we're all there having that conversation internally, yeah. whether we want to admit it or not. Yeah. Um, so I feel I've slightly rambled off there. A no, 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 it's fine. That is absolutely perfect. Yeah. That's my take on it. That's my take on it. We are meant to be tapping into our emotions. Yeah. We are meant to be allowing space to feel and embrace those emotions. Yeah. You know, obviously how we express those emotions is, is entirely, um, we need to do that entirely appropriately. Mm. and in a safe way but um just being able to be in touch with those emotions yeah. Is important. yeah and there's a there's a couple of things that just to pick up on so it's really interesting about the the suppression of emotion so um I, I, apologies for I, I can't quite remember who it was but I was listening and reading something the other day um and it was about the fact that when kids are uh in an absolute kind of red mist tantrum moment um telling them to calm down is it's just completely and utterly counterintuitive it it, it doesn't it's not going to sink in with them they have not got that rational kind of thought process to go oh yeah actually if I calm down I'm going to be all right because the reason that they are getting so emotional about something is because they need to release something they have to let it go as adults, what do we, you know, what does some of us do when we get a bit angry? We channel the energy somewhere. So for, you know, for some young people, um, maybe like late teens, they might be, you know, hammering the gym, doing boxing. Um, you know, for me, if I go out for a run or I furiously clean the bathroom, I'll feel a little bit better. What is that outlet for kids? And, and for me, I, I kind of practiced it the other night because my youngest was having an absolute meltdown. And there was no uh, there was no way that I could talk to her at that point. There was no way that I could say to her, what's the matter, calm down. There was no words, it was just, but she wanted and needed to release something. And because she felt safe enough at home to be able to display that, she did it. So she'd been at school all day, behaving well, you know, you know, and something had bubbled up and she needed to get it out. And the fact that she felt safe enough to do it was a good thing. So I let her do it. And I said to her, really calm. And you, in your mind, you're going, ah, stop it. This is so unhelpful. But I said to her, I'm going to just let you let all this out. It's really good. Let it out. Whatever it is, just let it out. And I kept kind of almost coaching her through it. After a minute or two, she stopped. And I looked at her and I said, do you want to just breathe with me? She said, yeah. So we just breathed a little bit. 
And then I asked her, do you want me to talk it through with you or are you done? And she said, I'm okay. So, she, and there will, the will be a point at which I'll potentially, as she gets older, push that, do you want to talk about it? Because there's obviously something, but she was five and she wanted to let rip about something. And it was so interesting to compare that moment to a moment three weeks ago where I was like, this is ridiculous. We don't behave like this. Why are you behaving like this? Just really unhelpful. You're overreacting. You're overreacting. And in yeah. her mind, she's not overreacting. It, no. It's a real, it's a real response to something she's feeling. Um, so that that was just an observation from from something he said. But the other, yeah, go on, come back. Yeah, I think it's a really valid point. I think as parents and as mums, that's a real challenge for us because we have our learned association with those types of situations. Yeah. So if you notice, I don't know if you've ever noticed what's going on inside of you when that is happening. For me, like when you were describing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can feel that. I'm getting a bit of a, I'm, I'm getting a bit of clenching in the tummy. So I'm feeling slightly anxious. Like, when's it going to stop? How am I going to fix it? You know, and you, of course you don't need to fix any of it. You just need to provide that safe space for them. And also, like you said, it's brilliant that she feels so comfortable and so safe that she can express herself in that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, then the other little thing was about the negative chatter. So uh, I have a friend who sees negative chatter like a little person on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And when they start to get involved, they just flick it off. And they're like, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. That's fine. I'm, I'm driving. I don't, yeah. need, I don't need you. And I quite like that, that, that sense of yeah, this, this this is unhelpful. You can you can go, and I and I know what you're saying about sometimes it's there to keep us safe, but sometimes it's it it is unhelpful. You know, most of the time it is. Yeah, it is, and uh, and I think when we can recognise that, and when we can do that, that's fine. I think where it starts to become more of a thing that perhaps we need to pay attention to, um, mm. is when it keeps coming up and it keeps coming up. And it's holding us back in some way for pursuing something that is really important to us or that we feel on a conscious level is really important, but there's something stopping us. And it's in situations like that, then if you actually give yourself time to think and pause, I mean, this might be quite a useful thing to, to practice is that, you know, if there is something that's holding you back, just have a think for a moment. What is it? What is it and where is that feeling associated with whatever it is that's holding you back? Mm. Maybe you're having a thought in relation to, say, say there's a job you want to go for or a big interview or there's an audition that you um, are going for and it's, it's, it's for a role that you've never done before and it's a, a, maybe at a level that you've never never performed at before but you really want it you really want to give it a go you know like it'd be an amazing opportunity um and you're saying yes I want to do it but then there's this doubt there's this feeling and it's kind of tapping into what those thoughts are tapping into where that feeling is and actually working with it Mm. so by giving it some attention with going in and going, right, what's going on? What are you worried about? What are you really worried about? What's the worst that can happen? What if you do it and you fail? What if you do it and you don't fail? What are you gonna learn? Mm-hmm. You know, How's it gonna feel then the next time you go and do it? Um, and 
really trying to to talk to it in a in a way that gives it attention I'm not saying makes it blow up into more than what it is but gives it attention but then you can kind of almost like rationalize with it a little bit Mm. reassure yourself that actually okay what do you need to do to feel better about this situation about going for that audition well yeah this is what I feel I really need to do but I want to I want to rehearse this many times the script um bit of the script I want to um work with my mate because they're really good at supporting me and will help me um touch upon an areas and, and pick out any areas and they'll be able to coach me through that and um, I'm going to record myself you know come up with a strategy that's going to help me prepare then to be in a better place to help this feeling go from being something massive that's holding mm. you back and you're not really giving it attention to something that might shrink it might get smaller mm. and when I you know when I'm talking about tapping into the feeling it's getting really into where is that feeling mm. how big is that feeling mm. how much of my body does it fill up mm. is it heavy does it have a color is it moving all of those things that really help you to connect with it, but then allow you to, I guess, see if you can tone down the volume on it, tone mm. down the size of it, um, and then working in and tapping into the part of you that really wants to go for it, that's really excited about it, and doing all the same things again, you know, how is that feeling? Where is that feeling? Does that have a colour? Does that move in any way? Is there a way that that can expand and fill up more of yourself? Mm. So it's just a different strategy to take on it. So rather than ignoring something that is worrying you, it's actually giving it some time and some space Mm. and then seeing what happens, seeing if that makes a difference. Yeah, I love that actually giving giving it the giving it attention to see whether you can actually turn it round into something that works with you rather than against you. I really love that level of kind of maybe just nourish it a bit just a li- just a li- just enough to work out what it is and i think i think that's that whole point of um you know tuning into what is it that's holding you back or what is it that's making you say that to yourself or what is it that that you feel like you can't break in that kind of cycle of of, of negative chatter or negative thought or whatever that might be um yeah. because you know these we build such strong patterns don't we we build such strong patterns to things behaviors to things and actually what I'm hearing is is perhaps some of us and I know I'm definitely included in this we perhaps don't work kind of hard enough to to break some of those patterns in order for it to not be a thing for us anymore you know sometimes we just we go around accepting that, oh, well, I just say these kind of things, or I look in the mirror and I I always look, look a bit rubbish, so we'll just kind of crack on with the day anyway. And actually, that's that's not no way to kind of be and live, and that's something that I'm constantly working on. Um, yeah. And just giving it that attention, you know, when's the last time we did stand in the mirror and go, okay, what is really great about myself? What, 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 do, what do I love about myself and what do other people think are my best qualities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's practicing it. Absolutely. And we've not, we've not been taught to do that. We're taught to do many things like ride a bike, write, and we're taught to look after our bodies. We're taught how to brush our teeth. We're not taught how to exercise our mental health. 
yeah. in a positive way that builds our self-esteem that supports mm. our confidence and I think doing beautiful things like that you know when you're brushing your teeth you can be practicing um if, if affirmations work for you, you can practice your affirmations you can be looking at yourself in the mirror going yeah looking pretty good today 42 <laughs> definitely <laughs> smile um you know just it's stuff that we i think as brits are you know that stiff upper lip that really kind of reserved background don't like to embrace and actually when yeah. you look at our counterparts in the states they're loving it they're doing it and they're feeling great as a result right because it releases all of those feel good hormones yeah. when we're getting ourselves into that kind of into that space yeah and great things happen when you're in that space yeah don't they just yeah yeah you get to, yeah you get to be a gift to the world and we all are a gift to the world and we can really release that when we're in that space amazing um just um a couple of other little things before we have to close which I mean it's just this is all just wonderful stuff and I'm absolutely loving this but I just wonder if you want to just um talk a little bit about I know that you you were at a confidence conference on Saturday and I just wonder if there was any things that um little things that came up that you thought mm, that's really thought-provoking I'm going to give that a little bit of time and space to think about anything that came up and then um maybe we'll just finish with thinking about um specifically women because that's how we started and and kind of that um care that we can take through that kind of pinnacle transition that happens throughout our life and that feels um really huge and maybe just some some support for that but yeah tell, tell us tell us about the the confidence course yeah so it's fascinating actually um one of the key things that i took away from it and you know certainly the opening of the 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 course that I was doing the conference was that you know sometimes people can come to coaching and they're talking about confidence and having confidence issues but actually they can be self-esteem issues mm. not that you're not confident to go and do things but actually you don't feel good about yourself in, in in relation to whatever it is that you want to do or feel that you need to be doing I I'd like to use the word want as opposed to need because no one really needs to do any of these things or no yeah. one really should have to do any of these things it's what you want to yeah. do right um and that there are amazing amazing number of different tools that you can use to coach on confidence and it you know it's easy to improve your confidence just making small changes to like your your body posture and um, I think we've chatted before about Amy Cuddy. Yes. And she's got an amazing TED power talk. Pose. Yeah, she talks about the power pose. Love but then it. she goes into it and on a deeper level, you know, that the very physiological changes that happen, the chemical changes that happen within your body actually do make you feel more confident. Mm. You know, you get a little tiny boost of testosterone. You're feeling more open. You know, you're making that positive first impression. And first impressions, we all take first impressions. Um, whether or not we like to think or think it or not, we do. We judge people by what we see. Um, so all of that, you know, that was that was really amazing. But also that we can, you know, when we're thinking about um, areas of our lives where we want more confidence, you know, thinking about what confidence means to ourselves rather than I think we all think we know what confidence means, but it's different for each person. And it shows up in different ways <clears throat> mm. and it can be very much confused 
you know, we can confuse confidence with arrogance and they're very different, you know, to be confident about something and arrogant about something, just different. You know, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. This feels like you're trying to get one up on somebody or be better than somebody. And that's not what it's about. So um, those are the main takeaways really for me um, that we can work on confidence and we can even work on our self-esteem as well. You know, little things like, how easily do you take compliments from somebody and really embrace those confidence uh, compliments mm. that's a self-esteem thing do you push them away why are you pushing them away is it because you don't agree with them yeah so a lovely thing to do is to notice throughout the day when you get compliments whether it's about how you look what you're wearing the work that you're doing and what's your gut reaction because that's telling you something what's stopping you from embracing those compliments and allowing yourself to feel good yeah because we all deserve to feel good that's what we're here to do we're here to feel Mm. good yeah yeah so that's what I really loved from it and Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to be able to bring some tools and skills to 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 my clients that I'm working with to help support them with their confidence and also help them build their self-esteem as well Mm yeah gosh I love that love that yeah Yeah, just the difference between confidence and self-esteem you know we all know probably friends of ours who you know don't think as much of them as we do of of themselves as we do and they are seemingly really confident but actually inside they they don't fully believe it which I I and I always notice that and and it's just such a shame because I, mm. I want people and especially because obviously I teach young people as well in in terms of their singing and sometimes I just I can't believe how amazing they are and they don't realize that yet you know yeah. And it's, yeah you know it's something that yeah like you say it's how are you receiving things what does that tell you yeah yeah um yeah and just as we kind of finish it'd be lovely to kind of close with maybe just you know some support especially for um you know the the female listeners in terms of you know those changes and the the transitions that happen in our life and and uh you know any little kind of tips or 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 things that you would say or 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 advise or just anything I mean there's so much in the chat that we've had that will be just such Mm -hmm. lovely take-homes for people but um because I know that that's something that you've talked really openly about um and especially obviously for someone of my age the perimenopause menopause work that you're doing is is just incredible because there is a real lack of understanding and an awareness of with that uh, of that and how many um different things people can feel going through that so yeah just um whatever you feel might be helpful yeah so I think the biggest thing that I've I've done for myself and this was pre-recognizing sort of my symptoms for perimenopause but really allowed me to see it um, unfolding was running a journal just writing a journal um uh, or a diary whatever you want to call it whatever works for you and I started off writing it just very basic stuff in there like you know what I'd eaten for the day there is even some stuff about what I needed to do that day just some tasks but I'd write you know daft stuff in there like the, the you know 
the dates, but I'd write my cycle number. I'd write any, um, you know, which day of my cycle I was on, any symptoms, you know, how was I feeling physically? How was I feeling with my mood? How was I feeling with, um, I can't, yeah, if, what, if there was anything else coming up, for instance, what exercise had I done? Had I done any yoga? Because yoga, mm. I know, really supports me. Had I meditated? And I just keep a track of those things. And then over the years, because it took me a while to get into that, I was a bit resistant to start off with. I was like, oh, when will I find time? Uh, I don't really want to do this. It's boring. But actually, it's the number one thing I do practically every day now is I write. And it's changed. So now I still write my cycle number. I still write the day. Um, I, I still... Um, I don't record what I eat anymore. Um, I'm not so interested in that, but I do record my gratitude, things that I have, um, things that have been successful at during the day, things that I'm loving in my life, things that I'm looking forward to, things that I'm grateful for, the beautiful moments that I've had during my day. Those are things that I write in there now. And I'm also, one of the things that I've started to do sort of over the last six months is I write down what I want to experience in my day. Mm. Set my attention for the day. How is my day going to feel? Mm. How am I going to feel? How, um, how do I want to be interacting with my girls? And usually I come up with, you know, I want to, I want to have a deep and loving connection with my girls in the morning. We'll, you know, we'll have a beautiful breakfast. We'll have lovely chat and we'll get ready for school without any dramas or whatever it might be. I might write down just how I want it to flow. Mm. Um, and it only takes a couple of minutes to do that. And it only takes a few minutes at the end of the day to write all the things that I've, I've really enjoyed during the day and all the things that I'm looking forward to in my future. So keeping me forward focused, keeping me focused on the things that make me feel good when I'm writing them down and when you write them down really tapping into those feelings that you felt in the day of how good it was and it's like you're getting a double dose of that really amazing feel good factor so it's brilliant mm. um yeah that's been the number one thing that I've done that has got many things in it so it's increased my awareness about my physical and mental health mm. increased my awareness as to what was happening with my cycles yeah. and any symptoms that I was experiencing because I'd write those things down as well. Um, and it's really helped with my mindset because it keeps me focused on all the good stuff that I want to see in my life. Yeah. And all the good stuff that I want to see happening more and all the amazing stuff that is going to happen in my future because yeah. I'm now more focused on that and that's going to allow me to put the energy into it to make those things happen. Yeah. I think as well, my other big tip would be don't feel you have to put positivity plaster on everything. Yeah. If you're having a bad day, it's okay to have a bad day, right? Yeah. Just be okay with it. Yeah. And if you get to the point where you feel, it, feel you're having so many bad days, as it did for me earlier this year, and I was like, oh my God, is this me getting depressed again? It's either that or, oh, hang on a minute. I came across this amazing questionnaire by Dr. Laura Newson that has all of these symptoms about the perimenopause. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh tick 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 <laughs> what if it's the perimenopause that's making me feel this way yeah and yeah. uh yeah roll on hrt it's had a massive a massive impact so building your awareness mm. number one mm. however you could do that in whatever way you do that some way of recording what's going on so you can go back and you look and look at trends and you can see what's happening for you 
some way of focusing and training your mind to look for all of the beautiful, amazing things in your life and relive those every day. And asking for help if you need it and talking to other people, because I found that even by me, just going on my Facebook profile and talking about perimenopause, so many people have come back to me and gone, oh my gosh, thank you for this. It's really helped me. Yeah. I'm now on HRT or yeah, I've been feeling like that for a while. Mm-hmm. And it just helps raise other people's awareness. And when we yeah. all do that, we can support each other in feeling the very best of ourselves that we want to be. Yeah. Um, and then the meditation. I could, do you know what? I could go on. I'm going to stop there because <laughs> it's about finding what feels yeah. good for you. Mm. You feel good for us, Catherine Moon. Um, that has been honestly the most the, you are like honestly the embodiment of what I wanted this channel to be because I wanted it to be full of really wholesome conversations that nourish people's souls that people can just listen to and if they're if they are doing some of these things think okay I feel like I'm part of part of something I feel like maybe I'm on the right track I'm onto something and because I'm feeling good I'm going to keep doing it And then for those people who maybe aren't doing some of those things, who are feeling like they need a bit of extra, then hopefully there's some stuff there that they can take away. And for me, you know, like you say, doing a little film on on a video on Facebook just reaches out to people and they go, oh, and it's just making people feel less alone. We are all navigating something that we've never done before. And at each stage of our life, there's something new um so you know I just thank you so much it's been an amazing conversation you're welcome it's been an absolute pleasure thank thank you you. thank you for having me thank you for being part of this well-being with Manny community it really means a lot to me that you can spare some of your precious time to listen to these conversations please share this episode with anyone you think would benefit from hearing these open and real conversations Remember, talking is key. Who will you have a conversation with?